On this episode, Quiet Quitting, Rest, Walks in Nature, and Sea Turtles. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Almost There Adventure podcast. Today, I am very excited to be having Jill Rose with us. Actually, we are all excited, Mm -hmm. I should say, to be having Jill Rose with us I'm excited, too. I'm definitely excited. (laughs) I know. Um, so, um, I, yeah, so I know Jill, she's taught at our last few Adventurous Women Escapes. Um, she has done sort of our inner journey work there, and she's an outdoor enthusiast herself. And today I'm really excited because I think we're going to focus on the topic of rest, which I'm really excited. But Jill, why don't you go ahead and do a better job of introducing yourself and the work that you do? And yeah, let's go from there. Yeah, thanks, Severia. It's good to be here with you guys. Um, yeah, like Severia said, my name is Jill Rose. I am located um, in Central Oregon, and I'm a life coach for women, and I really work uh, within the realm of burnout and women who are experiencing the struggles around that overwhelm, exhaustion, resentment, anxiety, and I work to help them um, find rest and connect to their own truth and power uh, so that they can reclaim joy again. You know, we do our outdoor escapes and there are these big adventure weekends and everyone thinks it's about go, go, go. Um, But we also make sure to have time for like these stop moments, which you're really good at facilitating. Um, Talk a little bit more about that, the importance of that, the importance of in our busy lives as we go, go, go. Why is it also important to maybe slow down? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think... um, what we miss when we go, 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 when we, uh, when we forgo the rest is so much more out there, right? Like we are a culture that celebrates the busyness and, you know, it's kind of a badge of honor for going until we drop and it comes at a really high cost, especially for women, right? Like if all that energy is constantly going out and we're never refueling the tank, um, it has some pretty significant costs, right? So like all of those things I mentioned, burnout, of course, right? Like that is a um, that is a key term that we're hearing, um, overwhelm, resentment, frustration. You know, now we're seeing all of the um, quiet quitting, right? All of these things in our professional world. And so when we start to um, value rest again, it's... Um, it begins to refuel the tank. It's, um, I mean, there's some whole, there's some physiological uh, responses around that, right? Like rest actually activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is how we kind of calm the system. And that's where we, we have access to our inner resources, to innovation, to creativity, to solutions versus um, simply knee-jerk reactions to what's around us. Um, I think it's really important to note that because we are a culture that does go so hard and we sort of have this collective identity that our value is tied to that, right? Like um, the harder we work, the more valuable we are, the more the more worthy we are. And um, so I'm really interested and passionate about shifting that and um, and just, you know, having this radical act of rest being a declaration of value in and of itself, you know, being able to pause, being able to um, assume value and worthiness outside of everything that we do externally. It does. Um, you used a term in there that I, quiet quitting. What is that? <laughs> oh, um, quiet quitting is like, there's a wave of it right now. And basically it's a really, um, it's a passive response to employees being asked to do far more than either they signed on for, than they are being paid for. It's um, so many employees these days are being asked to um, just take on way more. And in lieu of saying no or quitting entirely, they just quietly don't do the work. And it's, um, it's sort of a passive way of setting a boundary, I guess. 
Oh yeah, that's funny. I had a so when you talked about this, Jill, the um, the busyness, it reminded me of a guy that I worked with for many many years, Dan. So shout out to Dan. He whenever you ask him, hey Dan, how's it going at work? I'd see him at his at his desk or whatever. He go, oh, I'm slammed. I'm slammed, man. And that was like you say. I mean, it's like we he was a, a you know a case study for people who take the, on that busyness as like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing that it, it made me think of is a saying, you know, about, um, you know, too often I think we're human, uh, you're, we're humans doing instead of human beings, you know? Yes. And that's, I like that little phrase, that turn of words. Yeah. And it, it sounds kind of like a little bit of what you're talking about. I'd like to know what does that look like? Because... I know I'm, I, I feel busy a lot of the time and right. I like what you're saying about how it recharges, you know, being, you know, quiet and um, resting can help recharge us and help us be more creative and innovative and, and a tap into those things. And I want that. So what does that look like on sort of a day to day or week to week basis? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think you're right. I think it all comes down to learning to be um, and finding the value in that. Um, I see it as um, like, I feel like there are sort of three layers to it. So if you can envision like concentric circles. And so um, if you're asking specific strategies, um, this is how I employ it in my own world. And it's how I um, suggest my clients do so. The outer, the most outer layer is sort of this big, um, generally impractical on the day-to-day act. So something that pulls you out of the fray. So um, so generally, like, you know, we can't really control our external world. So what we're working to do is control our response to it, right? And so that's the necessity of rest. That's how we refuel. So that outer circle is um, these larger acts. So if that's a weekend away, if it's um, tuning out your world for the day, if it's like closing the drapes and turning off your phone, like whatever it is, some larger act that you can totally remove yourself from. So for me, I have found that my way in that larger act is to just um, shut out the world and read a book. Like, and not a book related to my work, but one that is like a beach read, you know, that I can just absorb myself in. I ignore everybody for the day and I can tune in. And I know like the next day after I've finished that book and I've just spent the day doing that, I feel completely revived. That is not something I could do every day, right? Like I, I have to go to work and I have a family I have to tend to and I have friends who are coming for dinner like on Monday and... <laughs> Um, so, but things like that. Yes, yes, um, we are. <laughs> yes, really important things like that. So, um, so that you know, so you, these larger expressions of rest, right? And and it's really important to remember that it's really different for everybody. So, reading a book for me, which is completely restorative, is not the same for maybe Severia or for you, Jeff, or um, what it looks like. But so. I, but you are looking for something that really actually kind of pulls you out of the environment that is activating the stress. Um, the inner circle is imperative, fundamental, and these are the daily practices. So um, stillness, quiet is is sort of the end all be all of that for sure. Um, and whether that is maybe a quiet walk in nature, which as we all know is the most healing, um, the most invigorating and the most restoring or one of the most restoring things that we can do. But there's also meditation, intentional movement. I'm a big advocate of journaling, you know, like when in doubt, journal it out kind of thing. So these quieter practices that you can implement consistently on the daily sort of fortify this internal landscape and they activate, like I said, that parasympathetic nervous system where, which is literally the rest and digest. And so um, that is what you can do on the daily, that in combination with this, uh, this outer circle of these, you know, maybe quarterly opportunities really help to um, fortify you in the face of stress. And that rest is what kind of keeps you going. And then the most um, inner circle 
is this, the day-to-day strategies. And so when you are faced with stress in the moment, what can you do to mitigate that right then and there? And so again, you kind of have this backdrop of these two other rings that you have implemented. So you've got sort of this foundation and that helps you um, stand from more of a responsive and less reactive place. But what you can also do, I mean, there's a number of um, really easy tactics that help you just kind of move the stress out of your body. And of course, vigorous like activity is number one, whether that is like literally shaking it off like an animal, you know, like a wet dog, the way they shake it off, just physically getting it out of your body. I always recommend 10 jumping jacks. And if that is just nuts in your office, you might go to the bathroom stall and, you know, do that. Breath work is really huge, um, really important. And that is just, gosh, like three minutes of very intentional breathing can really wash that immediate acute stress out. Um, and you kind of have to watch this one of these, this day and age, but like a 20 second hug is huge. And awkward AF for sure, if you don't really, you know, like you want consent, but, um, but there is something about it that just sort of settles everything. Um, my favorite is just laughter, like just, you know, spontaneous, shoot your water out your nose, pee your pants kind of laughter. And that also um, relieves the stress. So I think all three of those in combination really help to set up a foundation of um, how we can move through our world from a more restored place. And then, like I was saying, when you can do that, you just see so many more opportunities. Like your, your world becomes limitless versus limited. So how much do you think sort of technology, right? The phone, you know, the, the you know, the computer, the, the just sort of always having to be on call, which obviously wasn't the case, you know, like like 20 years ago or 15 years ago, right. even, you know, how much how much do you think that has impacted and made these restful practices or needing made us even need these kinds of moments more? Yeah, I mean, gosh, both ends of that, right? Like, I think um, social media has fully contributed to the need to rest more um, and removing them is integral to doing that. So I always advise my clients, um, you know, your daily practice in the morning before you do anything, before you even get on your phone or your device, reach for your coffee, any of that center ground back in, like that is the opportunity to meditate or to breathe or to journal because, um, immediately social media triggers, you know, that that sort of fight or flight response and it sends us off in a different direction and it kind of pulls us out of our internal world. And all of a sudden we're thrown into what's happening externally. And then you're, you know, and there's so much goodness about social media. Like I'm not throwing shade to it, right? It's just learning how to mitigate it. It's learning how to, um, to utilize it, right, in ways that, I mean, it's such a beautiful way to connect with friends and with family and to hear about movie premieres that might be happening at the tower or great, you know, mm -hmm. retreats away, things like that. Um, but when you kind of get caught in that loop of one, like social comparison is huge and that, you know, triggers so much of the anxiety that we see in our world right now. Um, but it also becomes a way to numb and kind of tune out of what is really important too. So uh, to answer your question, I think it plays a really huge role. I think it's a large contributor to um, what keeps us from resting and also why we, we need to rest more. How did you get into this? Like, how did you become a life coach? How did, you, how did rest become sort of your mission in life? Well, like we teach what we know, right? Yeah. yeah. I am for sure a recovering hustler. Um, and a doer and a, and I guess I should watch how I say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> not that kind, like guys. It. I want to be really clear. <laughs> but I am definitely uh, a recovering doer. Like I for sure um, believed that the harder I worked, the more important I was, the more valuable I was. And, um, and it would drive me to exhaustion and I would lose presence with my friends and my family. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, you know, those, those relationships. Of, I, I was always finding myself like, yeah, 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 that's so great. 
I got to go. And it, um, it didn't feel good. And as I think as I got older, um, I think the pandemic really forced me to stop and kind of slow down. And then, um, and truthfully, the one of the biggest um, revelations for me was I was in Hawaii not too long ago. And um, I happened on a beach where there were these sea turtles and um, these ancient enormous kind of goofy creatures just laying on the beach and I was just mesmerized by them and they were so big and they just kind of didn't really do anything and they'd lay there and they kind of lay with their buddies and then eventually you know one of them might kind of get up and lumber into the water and I was so mesmerized with this like no need to do anything just to be to absorb the nutrients to be with their community you know and then a couple of days later I watched um, I, I got to go snorkeling and I followed uh, another sea turtle around and by complete contrast of what I'd seen on the the beach they just effortlessly like kind of were flowing in and around and amongst the currents and all of these things that I was sort of fighting against there was just such a flow and I I just had this huge aha like that's it right like that loop of that rest that restoration on the beach enabled the flow into the ocean and that from that moment on I was hooked so like you know, so many of my workshops I lead, retreats I lead, certainly like client conversation are all about how can we get back into that loop of rest, restore and rise again. And so that was probably not the answer you're looking for, but my inspiration truly came from these magical sea turtles that no, I that's, happened that's, upon. That's more interesting, really, if you think about it, a sea turtle <laughs> answer than some, you know, you know, I read it yeah. in a book. Yeah, I read it in a book. I found it online. Yeah. I Googled yeah. it. I Googled it. <laughs> no, see, yeah, the turtle, the turtle thing's great. No, the turtle's much more interesting than that. So, so no, yeah. that's fantastic. That's even better than what I was looking for. Yeah, and I want to yeah. see you know, the creativity going on in the in the minds of those sea turtles. Yeah, right. <laughs> because oh, of the rest, you know, what are they uh, imagining? Yeah. I wonder. Wouldn't that be cool? I know. Yeah. I mean, that experience of like just watching them like underwater you know after it just looked so arduous when they were up on the beach and just yeah. these you know kind of goofy guys and they'd sort of just you know lumber around and then you know in the water it was just the polar opposite of that just such ease and move you know just in their movement and how they interacted with you know all of the schools of fish and the coral and their environment and um so that's, you know, I aim to be more turtle-like, I think, to incorporate that loop into my life. And, and as I have, and as I've recognized, um, I, ha I guess as I have recognized my old patterns, this has been really inspirational for me. And if I can take that analogy one step further, I, I really think that our culture sort of celebrates and supports like if we do rest, um, we do it for the purpose of getting back up again. And that wasn't what I was seeing in the turtles. I, you know, that 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 loop of the rest the restore the rise, every element was equally important. And I really appreciated that, too. You know, it wasn't just to get on the beach so they could get back in the water. It was really about like, yeah, I'm on the beach. I'm, you know, obviously I'm like inputting all of this. But what struck me was that it was there wasn't any pressure. Every every part of their experience was equally important. That's so funny. Uh, Jill, you don't know this, but I actually have a sea turtle tattoo on my ankle because I want in my life to come back as a sea turtle because <gasps> for those exact reasons. I'm like, they have like literally the best of both worlds. Right? They have their rest and they just get to like lie on the beach in the sunshine and then seeing them in water, to your point, the effortless, which was with which they live and sort of yeah. exist in there. It's so beautiful and calming and yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And there's no, you yeah. know, there's no qualification for any of it. Right. Like yeah. for us, the rest, um, I mean, it may be severe. You could speak to this, but I'd be really interested to hear um, Jeff and Jason, your perspectives on this too, but as women, you know, 
we are the last on the list, generally speaking, you know, so we, you know, we do for everybody else, whether that's coworker or a family member or a friend or, you know, gosh, whatever it is, whatever obligation or should, I call it what the shoulds are, right? We're constantly doing for others. And then we say, okay, we're going to rest when I've completed this list, but the list is ever growing and you never yeah. get to the bottom of it. So e, so one, there's really not an opportunity for rest, right? Culturally, we feel like we have to kind of step up. Um, but two, even if we do, we justify it, right? We sit there and be like, okay, well, like I'm just sitting for a minute and I just finished this huge product, project or I just cleaned the house or I just did this. So I'm just going to put my feet up for a minute. And there's a whole justification process that goes with it too. And so I, um, I just want to scream from the rooftops, like, kick your feet up. Like there is value in and of yourself just, you know, without all of the, the responsibilities and the expectations and all of the things that you're doing. And that, um, when you do take that rest without the qualification, without the justification, so much beauty and, um, depth comes from that. And actually so much more mental and physical bandwidth as well. I have a couple of dogs and I think they help me to kind of get out of my work mode, you know, and like rest or to play or to go yeah. for a walk. Right. Yeah. And it, it kind of uh, provides a built in escape hatch, you know, like, oh, I got to I think I'm going to go walk the dogs, you know. Yeah. And I'm not, uh, when, you know, because we, we talked about getting outside and nature and that sort of thing. And a lot of times that's a hugely restorative experience for me and for mm -hmm. many of us. Mm -hmm. um, but other times it's also very purpose driven, you know, like I'm trying to get to a, the top of a peak and it's, you know, I'm mm -hmm. or I'm trying to get my fastest time or whatever it might be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so that, that's almost counter to the idea of a restful experience. When I walk my dogs, I, I generally let them you know, stop and sniff and, you know, do their thing and kind of meander about. And, and I'm just kind of, you know, a tourist with them, you know, just kind of enjoying the, the, the moment. And I think, I think animals can be a great way to do that. I, I guess I, <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm going with this other than, you know, when we get outside, we, when I think of rest, a lot of times I'm thinking of like taking a nap or reading a book, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, but um, it doesn't always have to be that way, right? Rest, a restful, yeah. rejuvenating experience can be outdoors. What does that look like? And how does that differ from maybe some of the outdoor experiences that are not quite so restful? Yeah, well, I think I loved how you said you're sort of a tourist when you take your dogs out. That's such a great way to say that. Um, and I think, to your point, animals are, you know, in nature, right? They're we should really take our cues more from that. And I love that, um, that we do have animals that sort of offer that excuse to be like, okay, I do need to get out. I do need to um, let them play. And then just by proxy, we get to absorb some of that as well. Um, and yeah, there's definitely a difference between bag in the peak and, you know, walk in the river trail. Right. And, and equally valuable for sure. But I think that in order to, well, in order to fully appreciate, enjoy, savor the journey to the peak, it requires those quieter moments um, so that the outcome isn't like, you know, the goal of getting to the top, but actually the experience in getting there. I mean, it's so cliche, but, you know, the journey <laughs> is important. Um, and to your point, too, the... Um, getting out of nature or getting out in nature, being present to what's in front of you, breathing in the fresh air, feeling the air on your skin, whether you're here in Bend, Oregon, where, you know, right now it's snowy and cold, or you're in SoCal and you've got the hot sun against you, right? Like whatever it is, it's, it forces you to be present. It, it's a reminder that you're a part of something so much bigger and it's beautifully humbling. And it kind of, allows you to sort of step back into um, what's really important and, and into that present moment and pulls you out of your head a little bit. 
back into your body and out of your head. We, uh, Jason and I had a, an experience like that a couple of years ago. We, we got up before sunrise and we were going to attempt to summit South Sister for sunrise. And we were hitting snow. It was, it was late season, shoulder season. We were hitting snow, you know, pretty early on. And uh, it was, you know, the wind was blowing. It was still dark. It was a little treacherous. And we ended up deciding, well, let's, uh, let's just stop. <laughs> let's stop here you know about a mile from the, yeah. the the summit and turn around and we came down to um that plateau mm -hmm. uh and we were kind of overlooking moraine lake and we set up the jet boil and jason fired up and made some some coffee and we watched the sunrise from from wow. there and it was like such a great experience and it yeah. you know like you say it's you know, we, it, it, we didn't have to, we didn't lose sight of the fact that, oh, we wanted to do this peak, but we had an amazing restorative sort of experience and we yeah. shared that moment. So that was, that was really cool. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, um, and had you pushed on, um, sure, you would have reached the top, but you would have missed probably some pretty exquisite moments there. And those moments probably led to other moments, right? Like there's, there's probably some really beautiful ripple effect that came from that in in one way or another, and I think that's what we see when we sort of slow it slow it all down. Yeah, it would have been a different experience yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we also were way ahead of schedule, so we would have gotten to the summit like over an hour before the sun would rise, and there was like like fifty plus like fifty mile per hour winds, and it was freezing. Like, there's no way we would have been able to sit on that <laughs> like summit the stop. with yeah. like, and like Wait. seventy mile per hour winds, like freezing to death. Watching the original yeah. idea was to watch the sunrise. There's no way if we'd even made the top, we ever would have been able to stay up there long enough to see the sunrise. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so no, that was a very fun, fun, uh, a fun kind of like you know, I guess make lemonade out of lemons kind of scenario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or maybe that was the lemonade. Okay, so I'm asking for a friend, um, you know, for the people who are chronically busy and keep themselves overly busy and feel like if they're not hmm, moving yeah, forward, if they're not yeah. always I, I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> that feeling, <laughs> yeah, that feeling of like, like every other person. there's always something yes. I should be doing, right? There's like yeah. my to-do list is never going to end. Like, yeah. um, where do you start? You know, I mean, I know you kind of talked about it like in the mornings yeah. or something like that, but like you have, yeah, I mean... Where what are some, what are some tips you might what are, what are some tips you might give the chronic busy person yeah to sort of um, find that time that's meaningful right like right yeah. well i think um i mean i want to say on the outset that um i think when you do find that time what you're going to find is that there probably are many unnecessary shoulds on your list and so what you'll find is you'll probably begin to eliminate and you'll probably begin to be like, you know, um, I'm just doing that to please somebody else or because I feel like I should. It's the right thing to do. And so those will begin to slip away. And so the morning practice, um, I, I always, always encourage my clients and my friends um, and anybody, frankly, who will listen um, to start with a morning practice. And that is you know, when you wake, like I said, before you even reach for any device, any electricity, maybe even before you get out of bed to get your coffee going, um, you just pause, you just pause. I recommend like a breath work, you know, like one hand on your belly, one hand on your heart, feel your breath move in and out of your body, just sort of absorb the, um, the stillness, stay in it. And then you can, you know, there are certain prompts, like you could just be like, what, what feels right and sweet to me in this moment? Or maybe you just stay in stillness. Um, I also really recommend a journaling practice. And I can give you some prompts around that as well, but just beginning to write. So whatever's moving through you, you can put on paper. And the morning is so important, because that's when your body, your brain is still in that, um, I think they're called like theta brain waves. And so you're still in a restful state. You're really, really open to suggestion. And so that's why to that earlier question, you don't want to fill that immediately with social media, right? Because then it just starts the hamster wheel going. You really want to fill it with intention. And that's where the quiet time and the journaling comes from. And then you let that dictate. And 
my guess is that I call it a tenderness practice. Like it's just, where can I be tender with myself today? And what you will find is in a really short amount of time, things will start to surface. And this is kind of the hard part where, um, where the rubber meets the road, where you, um, things will start to surface and you'll be like, God, you know, I really, I really don't want to do this for this person, but I feel really obligated. And so now I'm kind of faced with the conversation or the methodology of how I don't, you know, how I don't betray myself and try to still maintain relationship or, you know, it, that part becomes, um, requires some commitment and some courage. And so the more that you spend time in the tenderness practice, the more you're going to find that those opportunities surface, those, um, sort of pings surface and then you'll be you'll know how to navigate it softly kindly sweetly but that's what I always recommend to start with is just a really simple like take 10 minutes out of your morning dedicate it to you dedicate it to stillness and quiet and watch what emerges and watch with um curiosity never judgment like oh my gosh I can't believe I did this or I can't believe that person did that like it's just hmm, this is super fascinating who would have known, you know, and you're just kind of watching things emerge and that you'll take your cues from there. Those are sort of your breadcrumbs to how to move. Yeah. So probably opening yeah. up Apple News, the first thing on my smartphone is not the right. Oh, my go. goodness. No, no, I know. You know what? I have to do that with my husband, especially during election season where I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this will take you down. Gosh, I mean, if I can impart anything, if you can just hold those first 10, 15 minutes of your morning close to you. Um, carve out this quiet, still practice, whatever feels best in your body. Maybe it's like a hot bath. Maybe it is just still laying in bed, but just being intentional about that time, letting your body wake up um, in a way that's really soft and sweet and then engaging from there. Yeah, I like that. I know a girl who can help you, Severia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm awful at that too. It's like I yeah. usually I just spring out of bed and I'm going. Yeah. You know, like I, I jump in. Or so like I hit, have to well, after practice I hit that. Snooze. <laughs> yeah. But you yeah, I don't hit snooze. Oh, I'm That's, a snoozer, so, and then I'm an, and then I jump on Instagram because I have my phone in my hand, and it's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah, my wife does the same thing. She's she hits the snooze. I don't. So when the alarm goes off. I sit up, I, I, you know, I grab my phone, I take it with me and I'm, I'm up, I'm going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so maybe what would be a, a suggestion is just to, do I set my alarm earlier and give myself a chance to, yeah. you know, just kind of hang out, you know, for 15 minutes yeah, or? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you're more of a nighttime person, do it in the evening right before you go to bed. Like let, you know, let your phone go for the 15 minutes plus before you fall asleep. Um, and I want to say too, like, again, you know, don't, there's no need to label it like horrible. It's just, it, it's just information, right? And you're just, um, you're just kind of doing what you do. What I would encourage you to do is look at why you do it. Like, are you jumping out of bed early? And I don't mean to pick on you, but just, you know, just out of curiosity, like, do you jump out of bed? Cause you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. And this is so filling. Or do you jump out of bed because there's the litany of responsibility, right? And you kind of, you kind of start from there because I know that there are times where I, Severia hit my snooze button. I mean, for decades, I could just lay there and be like, God, no, 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 no. But then I know there are the days like I cited if I spent the previous day just absorbed in a book and I shut out the world, most likely I will wake the next day ready to go, like motivated, excited to see my clients, excited, you know. And so just checking in on the motivation, right? Like it's a great thing if you can pop out of bed because you want to embrace the day and it feels right. And that's that's what um, genuinely provides care for you. It's another thing if you're popping out of bed because you're like, oh man, I got to like cross this off my to-do list and then and then to even you know like it's definitely um a larger look at your personal self but what is the motivation behind why you have to cross that off your list and 
what does it say about you if you don't? And, you know, so there's, there's some larger conversation around that. So what does it look like? You know, what is the relationship like? What does it look like having a life coach? Like why tell me, you know, tell us why someone should employ a life coach and what, and you know, what is it like? What is the, how many times a day are you speaking? What does it look like? Okay. I'm just curious. You know, yeah. Life is better with a life coach. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think, well, I think there's a lot of crossover between therapy and counseling and coaching. And I had one friend, um, a counselor describe it this way. And I love this where, um, traditional psychology and therapy really looks to the past and coaching looks to the future. And I, I just love that so much. I mean, I think we do, you know, with my clients, certainly we touch on history and look to patterns as people move forward, but I get to this oh man, this privilege of watching my clients navigate their world. Um, I get to give them tools to help them move forward, help them um, lead a life of joy and freedom and ease and truth and confidence and clarity. And I get to just um, walk beside them, you know, me with a hand on their back. And so, um, I, I look at it as how can I help them move forward? How can I like create the blueprint with them of the life that they most desire and maybe are too scared to even dream of? Like I get to be that person um, that gets to walk that journey with them. And it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty phenomenal. Like along those lines of sort of like working with a, with a life coach. I love the idea of like a coaching is looking forward and therapy is looking fast. Um, I actually really like that way to look at it. Um, what does, like, what does coaching look like for somebody? Is it like once a week? Is it, I mean, obviously I know it probably depends on the person, but like, what is like, what is like, how does somebody integrate that into their life? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, in this day and age, um, zoom is phenomenal. Right. So for me, I, I work, um, I generally work, you know, like in packages basically. So I suggest that my clients come for a minimum of three months or yeah three months and that we meet weekly each visits an hour um i have a couple options you know i have my office here i love to work on zoom i'm finding that that you can create as much intimacy um face face to face over zoom as you can just sitting in the office that so that makes it really easy for folks who um don't want to have to get in the car again or you know brush their teeth or any of that like um that makes it super convenient i also um see people on the trail i love i call them my walk and talks and that's really a a wonderful way to connect with people too, especially my younger clients who are less comfortable sort of sitting down face to face. That's a really nice way to kind of, as we were talking about, combine all the healing properties of nature with, um, with conversation. Yeah. And then I also teach classes. I have, um, like I have a, actually I have a retreat coming up in your neck of the woods. I think you guys, um, in, um, Palm Desert, and it's all about rest, restore, and rise as well. So I, I integrate kind of all of my passions, and then um, through workshops, through classes, through retreats, and then the one-on-one client uh, relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Jeff, did you have a question? I thought you said something, but you were yeah. Muted. I was, I was going to say I, I like the the walking aspect. You know, like yeah. where you walk and talk because. I'm wondering if there's a difference in that you're not face to face, you're side by side mm-hmm. and what that dynamic does, you know, I mean, I think for a lot of people, if they're intimidated in some way, they feel like yes. this is the person with the answers who's talking to me or whatever, yeah. I need their advice or whatever. Whereas when you're walking side by side, it's more like you feel, I don't know, how does that dynamic change? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, I mean, the idea came from um, just my own experience with walks, right? Every time I'm on a walk with my girlfriend, like we can solve the world's problems. It's always, you know, (laughs) there's just something about 
getting that, like I was saying earlier, getting out of our heads and into our bodies. And that's what nature affords us. Right. And then being able to dive into these conversations. So I really love the intimacy of being with my clients, whether it's over zoom or in the office and I can, you know, really like dig in and stay present. Um, but to your point, when people are in their head and they're spinning or, you know, this relationship, if it feels more like authoritative to them in some way, especially like that really I would, speaks more to my younger clients um, where they're like, oh, man, I don't want to sit in the principal's office or have that sensation. Right. Walking with them is such a great way that it just alleviates any of that pressure. So it's just two friends on a walk. And I often, um, I'm also a yoga and meditation instructor as well. And so I often am like, okay, let's just pause right here and kind of feel our feet on the ground and, you know, use, use the environment, the landscape around me, um, and incorporate that into our conversation. And I really see that it yields amazing benefits and it, um, helps people really dig in a lot deeper than maybe they would be more comfortable doing usually. You've mentioned a few times your younger clients. So how, like with this whole burnout concept, like how young are some of your younger clients? I have really, um, yeah, I, I actually have like a couple 10 year olds and like young, young, which, um, I love and I, you know, I think that there's, there's just, you know, anxiety and depression and overwhelm is just on the rise for, you know, our younger population too. Certainly we see it as adults, but, um, but I see it in kiddos a lot lately. They're just faced with so much pressure and they're absorbing, you know, they're absorbing their environment around them, whether that's their home life or their school life. Um, in addition to, hormones and developing and, and their social circles. And so I, I see folks, um, from young all the way, you know, up to end of life, I suppose. Hmm. But my sweet spot, I would say, I really, um, you know, I really love working with women, you know, sort of in that early twenties to 60 age range. Um, I love it when, I get to work with a, um, a young woman as she's starting to confront these things and be like, hey, listen, like you don't have to wait till my age to figure this out. Let's get you on the track there. <laughs> and then with women my age, it's so cool to be like, oh, I've been there. Like, I gotcha. You know, like here, here's how I got out of this one. And um, that it's so rewarding and it's really cool. And, you know, when you see the lights, you know, their eyes light up because something has just clicked and it's, um, yeah, so I do see the full range, but I would say my sweet spot is women between like 25 and 60. How did you start like doing the hiking ones? Was that something, you know, yeah. that you were a hiker before or did, something mm -hmm. you decided to try? Is it like a common practice for people to do the, that kind of thing in the life coaching world? Oh, Lord, I don't think anything I do is common practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that was, like I said, that really as I was developing um my practice and and what felt true and right to me i really came back to uh just my favorite way to converse the way that i connect the way that i feel like i gain ground and that is generally being on a walk outside whether that is you know um a longer hike or just you know i mean right here in central oregon we have so many things right out our door that we can just walk take in the environment and the mountains and the you know, the changing colors, no matter the season. And I, like I said, when I'm with a friend um, or even on my own, when it's just my dog and me out there, I just feel like I have, I walk away feeling as if I can, you know, I have so much more clarity and I have solutions and, um, and if nothing else, I just feel energized again. And I thought, gosh, this would be perfect to incorporate with my clients too, you know, to be able to offer that opportunity. So I do see people nationwide. So obviously that's not um, an option for folks out of this area, but I, and it's tough too, you know, I mean, I've certainly had those conversations with, um, with people where I'm like, I've got my hood over me because the snow is hitting us in the face and the wind is sideways. And so it's not super practical all the time, but it is a really beautiful way to connect. Um, 
I think my last question for you, because I know we're gonna, we're kind of coming to time here soon. Um, mm-hmm. So do you, like, if we could give somebody sort of a walking meditation or like, do you have sort of a recommendation for, because this is an outdoor podcast and we talk about, yeah, you know, yeah. ways to engage with the outdoors, do you have a recommendation for a practice that you, that somebody could do on their own outdoors that yeah. maybe is more than just like take a walk or like, you know, turn off all your yeah. devices. Don't listen to the crime. Yeah. Don't listen to the crime junkie podcast. You like water <laughs> yeah. in the woods. I feel you know, like that is <laughs> like, not helpful. Yeah. If you're no. looking for peace of mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, well, I would say a few things. Like I would recommend there's so many um, amazing podcasts out there that offer walking meditations, guided walking meditations. And so just putting your AirPods in and walking with that. If you don't have access to that, and I I rarely do, you know, incorporate that into my time, but just walking, just and being so hyper present to what's around you. So even if you're just walking like 20 feet, feeling your breath in your body, feeling your heels all the way to your toes, touch the ground, listen to the sound that it makes, listen to the leaves crackling underneath your shoes, listen to the river running next to you. What are the sounds that are you're, you're hearing? Really, really staying present to everything around you um, to the point of how does the air feel on my skin? How do, what is the noise that I hear this? And really, really just, um, using your breath, using your focus to stay present on that walk. And like I said, whether you walk the same 20 feet back and forth, if you do that for 10 minutes, it is, um, it's such an easy, accessible way to come back home, come back to your, your inner self. Well, Jill, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about rest, which I think is so important for all of us, especially as we go into the holidays and as things get super busy here. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts on rest with us. And most importantly, how do people find you and how can people connect with you both, you know, yeah, in all the ways? Yeah, thank you. It's been really great to be here with you guys. Um, best way to reach me is um, either email, which is info at Jill Rose Coaching, or you can DM me on Instagram, um, Jill Rose Coaching there, and you'll get more information on upcoming retreats and uh, working together one-on-one and, and putting together courses, things like that. Yeah, I'd love to connect. Great. And, uh, Jill's website is jillrosecoaching.com as well. And we will have yeah. all of that in the show notes. So it'll Absolutely. be easy to find. Thanks. Yeah. Perfect. I, I'm going to go like breathe for like 10 minutes now. Should we do like <laughs> a, uh, should we do like an awkward all... 20 second hug, uh, like ah. silent hug? Virtual yeah. Hug. This is really compelling. It's just going to be quiet for 20 seconds. It's like a, a it's great, you know, <laughs> like audio for the audio. Riveting format. audio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do a quick uh, breath exercise to ease you <laughs> out. Yeah, I think we sure. Can let's do that let's do it okay okay close your eyes bring one hand to your chest the other to your belly yeah i just want you to breathe in and out through your nose no real agenda or cadence don't worry about that right now just feel that breath move in and out and then i'm going to lead you through a box breath so this is one that you can take with you anytime anywhere What it means is you're going to inhale for four counts. You're going to hold the breath at the top for four counts. You'll exhale that breath for four, and then you'll pause at the end for four. So to begin, take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. Good. And then inhale for one, two, three, four. Pause. One, two, three, four, exhale, one, two, three, four, pause, one, two, three, four, one more round, inhale, one, two, three, four, hold, one, two, three, four, exhale, one, two, three, four, pause, one, two, three, four. Keep your eyes closed for a second more. Just let your breath come back to normal. 
when you're ready, you can open your eyes. I'm going to take a nap now. Yeah. (laughs) Now roll into bed and we'll see you next week. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to hit the snooze button either. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I literally felt myself like like melt into my chair yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. that was like one minute of your time yeah. and that yeah. took one minute yeah, that, and it, yeah. that, that was... shifts so it's like right at your fingertips anytime yeah. great yeah. awesome jill yeah thank, thank you so nice much jill you guys. nice thank to meet you, you too thanks me. for coming on thank you so much all right jeff so it's a new year there's gonna be a new six-pack challenge after a, a two-year hiatus i'm doing it again here in southern california but uh why don't you let everyone know what's uh, going on with the six-pack of peaks challenge for 2023 yeah, well, I can't tell you everything that's going on in, in just a few minutes, but I wanted to just say the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge is back. It's growing and it's bigger and better than ever. We have actually added six new challenges to the series. So we have 17 challenges around the country. So there's a good chance if you live near mountains that you know there's a challenge in your region. We have three on the East Coast. We have some new ones like New Mexico and the Central Coast. In California, we have a uh, Lake Tahoe and a Nork, a true NorCal challenge. The existing NorCal challenge is now the Bay Area challenge. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. We have some really cool things that are happening. Uh, you can learn more about all of that at socialhiker.net or you can head to sixpackofpeaks.com and you know it'll point you over that way. But uh, we're super stoked about everything that's happening and the community that's being built. And we'd love to see our listeners check it out and be a part of that. Great. Well, I'm excited for one. And uh, yeah, so everyone sign up, have, you know, challenge yourself yeah, in 2023. Up. Oh yeah. And, and, and one other thing I'll mention is that we, right now we have uh, registration is actually open now. Uh, there's an early bird registration rate that'll save you 20%, but that that ends on December 31st. So by the end of the year, be sure you get there and sign in, tell a friend, tell your family, grab them all. And, and you know, Let's get out there and have some fun on the trails. Well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media on Instagram at almost there underscore AP or the almost there adventure podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support us financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ATAP. You can find Severia at Adventure Us Women, that's Adventure US Women, Jeff at The SoCal Hiker, or me at The Muir Project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, make sure to check out our show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. On the next episode, we talk to Out in the Wild founder, Patrick Dunn. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.